Welcome back to our study of the Exodus. Covering for me today is Pastor Ken Hennings, a fellow member of Faith Lutheran Church here in Georgetown. Ken Hennings is a retired pastor who has served in both small and large congregations and as president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He has a Master's of Divinity degree from Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and you've probably heard him in the discussions in previous weeks. So a large thank you to Pastor Hennings for covering. In this hour, he covers the Psalms, which make reference to the Exodus. We've talked about how the Exodus shapes the rest of the Bible and becomes what is probably the largest event which shapes the thinking of the Old Testament Israelites. In the Psalms, we see the writers look back to the events under Moses and both praise God for his salvation, as well as call themselves and those around them to repentance reminding them of God's justice and expectations for his people. God also reminds us not to rely on ourselves and what seems right in our own eyes. For when we rely too much on ourselves, God could very well give us over to our own way of thinking, which in the end not only limits us, but even even brings us sorrow apart from him. And I apologize for the audio quality this week. I told my wife the wrong input, but you can still hear them, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your word, and that it tells us of your greatness, of the marvelous things that you have done, that we would recall them and use them even in our own daily living. Be with us and fill us with your spirit as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So what Jonathan wanted me to do today, because he has to work, works, I think, every six Sunday, every six yeah. is uh, to kind of take you through some of the Psalms that have the Exodus or the Old Testament, especially about coming out of Egypt and going through the desert, because this Exodus is the key, big activity and, and um, happening that God does in the Old Testament, and it follows all the way through. Now we know that they go into Babylon captivity, they come back, but not, you don't have any of the splitting the Red Sea, you don't have any of the stuff that we have. The Bible spends a lot of time on this, and it carries it on, and we're going to see in the Psalms where that is, but then we're going to see places where there are just words that kind of should pop out at us, like a pillar of fire. Boom! You know, that, and in the Psalms, you will get one of them, pillar of fire. But it won't talk about the rest of the Exodus, but it talks about that and God. And so, a lot of things that happen in Exodus are carried throughout Scripture and even into the New Testament. So, we want to do that. Now, when we look at the Psalms, there are about four major Psalms. We're going to look, I think, at three of them. But most of the Psalms that you'll get to hear, or even pick up a little bit, most of them are a call to repentance. Don't do like our forefathers did, type of thing. But today we're going to start off with one that's kind of more of a praise, thanking God, and that's Psalm 136. So if you want to look at 136. Now this was kind of a, a liturgical chant, or a liturgical song, or a liturgical response of reading. And uh, you'll see why that is in Psalm 136. You're there. I'm going to 
kind of read some of it. I'll get you to read some of it, the other stuff. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Why don't we just have you do that second part, okay? Well, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. For steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out of, from among them. For steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings. His steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings. His steadfast love endures forever. Sodom, king of the Amorites. His steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. His steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. His steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. His steadfast love endures forever. If it is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever, he who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. So you can see the cadence here that's going back and forth. And in, in all the worship, even in the Old Testament and New Testament, you find this type of a, of a liturgical, I call it a liturgical setting. It could be very much a contemporary thing, too. It depends on, on the speed and thing. And when you look back at, at the worship in, in, in the Hebrew, the old stuff, it's uh, not like our worship whatsoever. The songs were kind of really upbeat and kind of uh, you know, bouncy songs. Uh, so <clears throat> here we have, we started off talking about God, who he was. <clears throat> he is the only God, basically. And then we started to go through the Exodus. Did you catch it? About coming out of Egypt and everything. And he picks up on some of those things. But then in the end, uh, verse 29 is, is important for us. It is he who remembered us in our lowest days. Now, we can say, well, has God heard? Because what did God say to Moses when he first met him at the burning bush? I have heard the cry of my people. Okay, it's come up to me from, from Egypt. And so you find this coming through Scripture almost 
all the time, even in the Old Testament. But David says, I cry out to the Lord who hears my, who hears my cry in my time of disaster. Okay, well, why do they do that? Then? Because of their experience of seeing God listening to his people when they were in captivity in Egypt. And so you'll find something similar to God hears our cry. Okay, and that's there. Then also the second one is, he, uh, he, he who gives food to all flesh. Now that's how the psalmist says, here, what's that reminding you of? The manna. The manna and the quail. And so feeding people, being there and providing what we need, our need, is part of that exodus journey that, that we'll learn about in here. So this is Psalm 136. There was nothing about repentance. Okay? They didn't say, confess to the Lord that you don't you know, do something. This is just completely praise that's coming through here. Using the Exodus, the Red Sea account, the wilderness, coming into the new land, the destroying of kings, King Og and King um, Sion are going to be used in a number of psalms that, that immediately take us back to what God did in the Exodus. Questions about this 136 that you might have? Okay, now we're going to turn to another one that's going to repeat some of the stuff that we have, a longer song, very long, and that's Psalm 78, not 119. That's the longest song. But 78, we'll go to Psalm 78. Okay, so let's kind of <clears throat> go through this. Starts off with give ear to my give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. So this is a teaching song, okay? You say he's calling for us to listen up. Something's coming. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming gener to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. So He set it up. I'm going to be telling you something that's been shared for a long time, and He's going to be talking about the Exodus. As we go through this, um, we don't usually, today, you know, when I was going to Sunday school, I learned all about the Red Sea splitting, you did too, okay? I learned about the manna, and I learned about the quail, and I learned about the, the, the plagues in Egypt and all this other stuff. And we teach our children that today, but the society around us has forgotten this. You don't hear the society talking about God's great arm being outstretched when he brought people out of Egypt. They just don't talk about this, the society. They've kind of forgotten God. And so this psalm is a good psalm that says, hey, I'm here to tell you something. Listen. And even though we've heard it before, it's something that we should keep reminding ourselves and keep uh, telling one another uh, about. So we'll pick it up then on... Verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed law in Israel. 
which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God. Gives reason for doing this. Why do you share it with your children? Why would you share it with your grandchildren? Because you want them to have hope in God. Alright? That's what he's saying. Have hope in God. Now we come to the repentance part. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So now he's going to you know, pick up on this unfaithfulness here a little bit and then move into what God is going to do. Um, so even though God gave that we should tell our generation, our children, the next generation, next generation, next generation, we're finding out even back in David's time when the psalm was written or whenever that the psalm was written, it wasn't happening that way. And they were kind of forgetting. And we know that. We know that even though David and Solomon are there, they, they will eventually fall away so much that God has to take take them out of the promised land back to Babylon. Because they just wanted, they were rebellious. And we pick it up at 9. The Ephronites, armed with a bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it, and made the water stand like heat, like a heat. In the daytime, he led them up with a cloud, and with in all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly, as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused water to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their hearts by demanding the food they craved. They spoke, they spoke against... What was that food, by the way, that they craved? Quail. Meat. Okay, meat. Yeah, quail. The king. Uh, God give us meat. He's really God. Then have him give us meat. We are tired of this stuff that's coming down from heaven every day. This manna. That's this is what he's recalling. Um, they spoke against God, saying, "Can God spread a table in the wilderness?" He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he give us? Can he also give bread and provide meat for his people? That was their grumbling. Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven, and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Manna, which we do not have anymore, okay? But manna is going to be known as the bread from heaven. Okay? It's a heavenly food that God has given them. We take that over now into our communion, and we say that the bread we get is, we don't really call it heavenly bread, uh, but it is given to us in a spiritual, real spiritual way. It is the body of Christ who died for us, the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ who died for us. So this manna was not 
anything that they, could, when you read it in Exodus, we'll get there, they're going to say, what is this stuff? We've never seen this before. And then they'll taste it, and all this, you know, they eat it, but they never say, oh, it's like our bread that we buy down at H-E-B. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't say that at all. They, they, it's always something that they've never had, and when they get into the promised land, there's, there's a place in Scripture that says the man has stopped coming. It tells us when it started, and Scripture tells us when it stopped. And they don't have it. Now, now Moses was to take some of the manna and put it in a jar and put it in the Ark of the Covenant. But that Ark is, is lost. Okay? Because that Ark is in heaven. Now, not the one that Moses made. But in Revelation, you hear about an Ark. And we did this. Just, scripture just connects itself all the way through. But this is uh, meat and the bread. It's heavenly bread. The meat will quell. They, they knew what quail was, so that was physical food there. And he brought the winds and blew the, blew the quail in, and they were among them, and they ate until what? They got sick. They stuffed themselves. Have you ever stuffed yourself where all of a sudden you're breathing? <laughs> That's what happened, and you're going you're gonna to see that. They just, you know, they were, God gave them meat, and they kept eating, 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 and then they just got sick. But okay. Uh, man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out, let, let out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them, and laid low the young men of Israel. Remember, the purpose of this psalm is so that you and I will not rebel against God. Okay? And so now we're, we're seeing this kind of fulfilled as, as he goes here. In spite of all this, they still sin. Despite his wonder, they did not believe. Now, we, we don't do that today, do we? <laughs> we look at God and we thank him for all the great things he has and we will follow him so faithfully and everything. But we're just like him. Okay? Sometimes when God blesses us and we get used to that blessing, we forget that it comes from God. Think about that. Our health, our wealth, the freedom that we have in this country, the place where we live, the blessings that have been poured out on us, and, and I think society, my opinion, our society has forgotten God. And so they don't see these things as a blessing. They want more. And so we, we you know, so they're never satisfied, but then neither were, were God's people here. Thirty-three. He made their days vanish like a breath, 
in their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. Now, um, I don't know whether we get here, they don't think this is what it is, but there are a number of times when God does come with an anger, and we're going to see that. You tell me one of the times that you know about. During the Exodus, God kills them by something, by some means, the snakes. Okay? So that was one where God allowed poisonous snakes to come, and they would bite people and they would die. And so what did Moses, what did God tell Moses to do? Do the bronze snake, put it on a pole. And anytime somebody was bit by a snake, they could look to the pole with the snake on it, and God would heal them. Okay, another time. So we'll, we'll learn about Phineas. Okay, so there is an immorality going on in the camp, and God sends an angel of death. And uh, it's because that these people, if I remember correctly, these people were, were marrying people they shouldn't be marrying. And so Phineas goes and he stabs with a spear the person that's behind this type of thing, and the angel of death stops. So you see these things where God's anger comes to them, and so, but then they repented, and they do. What does what happens when Moses goes on the mountain? People made a golden calf. Okay, and when Moses comes back down, what's he do with that golden calf? He grinds it up and puts it on water and forces people to drink it. Okay, so it leads to repentance. God's wrath brings them to repentance. And 35, they remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouths. They lied with, to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, the wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe, when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan. He turned the river to blood so that they could not drink from their streams. He sent out among them swarms of flies, which devoured them, and frogs that destroyed them. Now we're getting into the place. Okay. He gave their crops by the, to the destroying locusts, and the fruit of their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail, and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their cattle to the hail, and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose of them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their life over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruit of their strength, and the tent of Ham. Then he let out, I'm going to stop right there. So, we're going to go back. I'm going to pick up some words here. Hail. Lightning. Okay. Uh, rock that we heard earlier. Uh, we're going to see that these are key words that you, as you read the Old Testament and even the New Testament, need to kind of keep in mind 
in the back because you're going to come across these words. Uh, now, it isn't that the person who's writing this is maybe thinking back to the Exodus, but you and I can do that because uh, I'm going to show you in, in one of the passages where where rock, uh, the first time rock is used to say it is God, is in Deuteronomy. We'll see that. We're going to get there, I hope, today. Mm -hmm. Let's see that. But you saw a rock here. I don't know whether some of you had a capital R in your Bible. Most of the time when, when um, we'll show it in Moses when he says that, but uh, Jesus is seen as the rock. God is seen as the rock. And um, the Jewish people believed, they even have a, a wise tale, or whatever you want to say, where they believed that there was a rock, a physical rock that followed them every day. Okay. Now, we don't see that in Scripture, but we do hear the rock that produces water a couple of times, streams of water. And then Moses is going to say the rock was with them. Now, not that rock, but I mean, God was with him, is what he's going to say. So, words like rock and thunder, clouds, fiery, you know, fire, all of those are, are things that connect us back to the Exodus, where God is redeeming his people, and that's what, what he's doing. Okay, so now, uh, verse 52. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain with, with his right, which with which his right hand has won, had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned them for possession and settled the tribe of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously. Like their father, they twisted like a deceitful bow. Or they provoked him to anger with their high places, they moved him to jealousy with their idols. Now this is after they're in the promised land, so he's calling, he's getting us into the promised land. We're not going to get into the promised land in, in Exodus. Uh, but you're seeing what he, he does. And he'll go through the rest of it, and he will put them back into captivity, and then he rejects the tent of Joseph, and he, you know, he chose David as his servant. So this one takes us all the way through Judges and uh, then talks about David being the chosen one now, to the king. And then David becomes a, a bigger, big figure. But you see the psalm here. His whole purpose is to say, don't do like they did. Don't get lazy. Don't forget don't just live life and think that God is nowhere around. That's kind of the, the purpose of this song. An Exodus song in, in the Old Testament. Questions about this one? I always had a question about the, the quail and then killing the people. I mean, because he gave them it, but then he killed them. It's like, why give it to them if you're going to if you're going to kill them? But I guess it's because they weren't grateful that, that they overate so much. Or? Yeah, that's one of the they they didn't you know, might be we aren't told exactly in the Old Testament, but we know that they did not see God as the one who they needed to follow and they needed to trust. 
And when the quails came, then they said, oh, well, we forced God to give it to us. We complained against him, and so he did that. Sometimes we complain against God, too, and we need to act. And so um, God has to, has to bring about a repentance. Now, just because he killed some people doesn't mean that those people went to hell. Now, that's not involved here at all. We find in the Psalms, like they did here, he is their shepherd. Now, sometimes a shepherd has to take a lamb and break his leg and put it over his shoulder or hold it close to him until that leg mends, and then he puts it back down. I mean, sometimes we have to deal with our children by disciplining them. Actually, we are told in Scripture, if we don't discipline them, they will run wild. So God is our Father, and so he is He's relating to us as his children, and sometimes... As children, we need to he'll put us under pressure, he'll put us under challenges, not to necessarily destroy us forever from him, but to draw us closer to him. And so we see that what happens in the Old Testament in the Exodus is that's exactly what happens. God kills some of them and they repent. Oh, but they are, I mean, Moses is gone up the mountain, and just, I mean, he's not up there, what, 20 days or 30 days, and, and they're coming and saying, we don't know about that guy or whatever, you're going to make us a god so that we know who we're following, and it's it just over and over again, God is very patient with his people. There's one time when he wants to wipe everybody out, when Moses is on the mountain, God says, I'm sorry I brought these people out of Egypt. I'm going to wipe them all out and start with you, Moses. And Moses says, no, no, not me. I, I don't want any part of this. You, what do you want to do? The nations around are going to say, oh, God brought them out to the wilderness to kill them. So it's more of a discipline, except back then we see it's actually death, physical death. I don't know if that helps a little bit. Good question. Yes. Just a little comment on the word discipline, because I was always taught that it comes from the word Greek, from the Greek, which means to teach or to learn. So we look at discipline in our society as a negative thing, but really, if we, depending on how we approach it, it could be very, I mean, it is very possible. So how many of you are teachers or have been teachers in school? So... Uh, in our society today, because it, it's focused on, I'm the most important. Uh, I should have whatever I want. I am my own God. I can do what I want to do. That the freedom I have is a human being. That's what we're hearing. Okay? And so we're getting some places in school where we don't grade anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah. So everybody passes. And so that's not discipline, because it's leading not to a better place, it's leading to a worse place. It's actually leading to death. And without the law, we would be lost without a, a guide to help us you know, work through this world. And sometimes, because we rebel against that law, uh, mostly God comes to us and convicts us of it with his word. And then we ask for his forgiveness. Well, they had his word, too. They probably had it memorized. Okay? They didn't have it written down anywhere. Well, they had it written down on, on ones that, on uh, papyrus and you know, things like that. But 
they didn't walk around with a book like this. So we look at it, that's why it's important that, that you and I encourage one another to be in the Word every day. Because it calls us back to God and say, I, I, I put you aside here, Lord. Please forgive me. And he comes back and he leads us and he guides us with the Word. As we know in the, in the New Testament, the Word is a living, active Word that penetrates to the very inner parts of the human being. So that's that's a discipline has to be part of that. And it doesn't have to be an F necessarily. It can be a reminder. It could be a recalling of something that we have forgotten. Alright? Okay. I want us to look at we'll go to Psalm 105. We might not read this, but we're going to look at it. <clears throat> there are a lot of psalms. We're not touching them. <laughs> we won't have time to touch on Every psalm has something to say with, with the Exodus, but it is throughout. Jonathan has counted up all of those, and uh, he said he'd get with me sometime and we can compare the list, but uh, I, I just, it's hard because these words are there. So 105... It, it says, tell of all of his wondrous works, so give thanks to the Lord. And then we kind of go through, if you remember, then we have here in this psalm, we talk in verse 6 about Abraham. So God's selecting Abraham and calling him to a new country. And he remembered that he was, he remembered his covenant with Abraham that he swore to Isaac, in which he confirmed to Jacob. Jacob is the one then that, that has that goes into um, his sons go into Egypt. And I'm just kind of going down here. Uh, he summoned famine. First verse 16. Okay. And when he summoned a famine, this is in Genesis. Uh, the land broke all supply of food. He has sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And we go through all of Joseph here. Canon King sent him, released him, and he, he did all of this stuff. The Lord made his people very fruitful when they came into Egypt. We heard about that, and Pharaoh gets uh, uh, upset about that. He sent Moses in verse 26, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them. He sent darkness. We go through, again, the plagues in Psalm 105. Gave them hail, he struck down the vines, he spoke the locusts, he ate the fruit, struck the firstborn, and the first fruit of all the first fruit of all their strength. Then he brought out Israel with silver and gold, and you're going to find this out in Exodus, that when they leave, the people say, Get out of here. You know what I mean? Jonathan has told us already. Pharaoh's the one that's going to drive them out, but the people are going to give them riches, silver and gold. So get out of here, please, leave, leave. Whatever you need, we'll give it to you. Just go. We want to get out of here. Okay? And so here this psalm reminds us about that, that they go with silver and gold, and there was none among their tribe who stumbled. <clears throat> You'll find out in Exodus uh, journey there, but and beyond beyond what Exodus is going to give us, their shoes don't wear out, their their clothes don't wear out, uh, they don't get sunburned, <coughs> okay. Um, in, the, in the desert. So we have all of this stuff that's going on. He opened up the rock in verse 41. We have that rock again. 
because he remembered his promises to Abraham. That's how we started. He brought up the people with joy, gave them a land, the nations, that they might keep his statutes and observe his law. So, God blessing us is for us to recognize him in our life, to keep his statutes, and to proclaim that to other people. That's another psalm here that talks about the plague and the moving out. Now, just a side note here. The only time that the verb Passover is used, one Greek word for Passover, is used in Exodus. The Greek, the, the Hebrew form for the verb Passover uh, doesn't show up again. Okay, But the noun does a lot. Okay, the noun then is the Passover meal, the Passover celebration, and that will be seen a lot. Now, the Hebrew word for Passover is almost Passa. Okay, so you kind of get this Passover, Passa, he, pass, he passes, he passes. Uh, so that's just a side note. I talked about the killing of the firstborn, and that and the reason why the Israelites were not killed is because the blood. Remember on the doorposts, the angel of death passes over. And so now there are people who then take that and say, okay, when I hear the word, the Lord saved me, I don't want to forget that what's going on is he's passing over my, my wickedness. He's passing over my sin. He saved me. He's forgiven me. And so there's a lot of, um, of writings in, about the scripture stuff that refer, that they grab and say, hey, this is what God did in Egypt. Everybody deserved death. And the only way to get away from that death was for the Lord to pass over you because of the blood. Now, our sins are forgiven because the blood of Christ has washed us. And so we might be able to say in our own life then, God, has, God passes over us. So we live out the exodus even today. We don't put the blood on our doorposts. But we claim, we claim the Lord, we claim the blood of that Passover lamb. Okay? That's a noun. Passover lamb. Uh, so, that's not a verb. <laughs> but that's what we say. But Jesus is the Passover lamb. And so we live every day, and when we ask for forgiveness, we claim the blood of Jesus. Correct? Okay? And that, that should remind us then of this Passover. That, that's just one of the things that we're going to do. Okay. I want us to, we can come back to some other things. I want us to turn to Psalm 81. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Uh, 
the God of Jacob. Um, Jacob is important because we get the 12 tribes out of him. Okay? Uh, Jacob's important because Joseph is, is one of those sons who goes into Egypt. And so God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that this land is going to be theirs and they're going to be descendants as, as many as the sands of the seashore. 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 You know, stars in the sky. And so Jacob is always uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Well, what's that mean? That he's just the God of Jacob? No. He's the God of Jacob who made Jacob and and brought him all the way through the promise of going into the promised land, the 12 tribes. So this is the God of Jacob, not just that he says, I claim Jacob. No, he made Jacob and fulfilled through the 12 tribes what he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to us, because it's through that lineage that we're going to have Christ that's going to come. Okay. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre, and with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon of our feast days. So they had sacrifice for in the morning and at the evening, and at the new moon and at the uh, full moon. So there were sacrifices. Those were feast days for them. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree to Joseph, here we have, when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. What's that say? That was the depression. you got to build brick without your own straw. you got to go out and get your own straw. Okay, the burden. And your hands were freed from the basket. It's interesting that he uses that terminology about their uh, what they had to do, and in distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. You keep picking up on this stuff of lightning, thunder, hail, this God's power. There on the mountain, you'll see it. The cloud is there, the lightning is there, the thunder is there, and the people say, oh! They build a fence around it. Because anybody goes up to the mountain, any animal, any person is going to be killed. So they, they're afraid of the thunder. So they, they will build a protective kind of wall so that nobody does it except Moses. Okay, um, I tested you in Meribah. That's where the water comes through. And then has Selah. That means stop and kind of think about what was gone, gone on, what had happened, what you'd read. And here, oh, my people, I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down from the foreign gods. Now we get the law coming in here. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. So we don't do that today, but we could. We don't, in our, I don't think any of our liturgy says, Oh God, you are the God who brought us out of Egypt. Uh, I don't know whether we even say in our liturgy, Oh God, you were the ones that brought your people out of Egypt. But we could. I mean, that's what's going on here in the scripture. Um, 
But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to the stubborn heart to follow their own counsels. Oh, oh that my people would listen to me, that Israel should would walk in my ways. How can you just... That the, there was a passage in the Old Testament that says it's a fearful thing to, to fall into the hands of a living God. Okay? I kind of say here, it's a very fearful thing that we would seek to live by our own counsel. Okay? Uh, that, that's a disaster for us. But we hear it all the time around us. We must make sure this never happens again. You can hear that, You hear it, don't you? Uh, and um, why, why didn't they shoot down that balloon? They did yesterday. But, you know, it's, it's uh, well, we're in control here. Okay. That is the arrogance that we see when we are left to our own counsel. We don't want to be that way either. So that's why God would call us daily to repentance. Luther had that as his number one thing on his 99 thesis. 95 thesis. Uh, it was a daily repentance was called for. So that we want to get arrogant and God would let us follow our own counsel. I'm doing a study in Isaiah. You're getting other additional things that don't have anything to do with Exodus. Uh, and it, it's reminding us again that leadership without God is leadership that leads to destruction. Okay. The people in Isaiah thought, oh, we've got a Syrian army coming, we'll tear down our houses and build our walls thicker. And after they did that, they had a big celebration in town. Then they drank wine, and we've got it. We've got ourselves protected. And Isaiah comes along and says, "None of this stuff helps you at all. It's only God." They had sent invoices. They had sent representatives to Egypt to get Egypt to say, "Hey, we'll come and protect you. We'll we'll come and fight against the Assyrians." And Isaiah says, "They went in vain." Throughout Scripture, we see this in saying, don't rely on yourself, because God is going to turn you over to that type of thinking. Okay, uh, that, that's there. Now let's uh, go back one to verse 80, chapter 80. Restore us, O God. Shine on us, verse 3, along with you. And he fed him with bread. Okay, verse 8 is what I want you to see. Verse 7 Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. By the way, the pastor is going to be ending all of the services this month with the benediction that comes from Deuteronomy. Okay, it does almost word for word from Deuteronomy, where it says, you know, God bless you and keep you the Lord. Make his face shine upon you. Uh, if you ever get a study of face shine upon you uh, in the Old Testament, when God's face is shining on you, you are being blessed. Okay? And so what he's saying here is, let your face shine that we may be saved. 
let your face always shine on us that we are redeemed people. And then it says, you brought a vine out of Egypt. What's he talking about? Israel. Okay, Israel is seen as a vine. You know God has a vineyard? Okay, Israel is that vineyard. And so God brings a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it in the new promised land. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. When Solomon is king, he has an expanded kingdom and he's got people from all over the world is coming in, the Queen of Sheba and things. So this vine has spread out, it's grown. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravage it, and all that move in the field feel feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. So, and that, that they uh, they have burned it with fire. So, but, but here the psalmist is not talking about, I'm going to take you back and remind you all about Exodus. But it takes, it says, I'm going to talk about a vine. That's Egypt. Other places in scripture you say, well, what was Egypt in the prophets? I don't know what's Egypt. What was Israel? <laughs> Sorry. This promised people. There's a picture of Israel was a baby that was born before it was ever cleaned off of its blood. It was cast aside on the road. And the Lord came along and saw it and took it and brought it up. That's kind of, that's, that's a picture of Israel. Okay? Um, so if Israel or you and I said, hey, we're pretty good because, hey, we know Jesus. Watch out. Okay, we have this warning here. Here's the vine that God took. They didn't do it themselves. Okay? The people of, 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 in Moses' day, God's people, they didn't bring the plagues on themselves. They didn't make, they didn't do all the power of splitting the Red Sea. God did that for them. We see that picture here when we take about God took a vine and took it out of Egypt and brought it over to, to the promised land, planted it there, blessed it, but even then they rebelled against him, and we get this, this rebellion stuff coming again. And so that's that's in Psalm 80. And so as soon as you saw a vine out of Egypt, you should immediately say, ah, that's Israel coming out. Okay, before we close, let's turn to Deut- Deuteronomy. By the way, 97, just go to Psalm 97 quickly. You see these things. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness, God again, are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. God is seen always that way. Fire goes before him, he burns up his adversaries all around. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. And the heavens, the worshippers. Uh, Zion here, the daughters. Okay, so we have this light, and we have a cloud, and we have fire. 
Whenever you see cloud, fire, smoke, lightning, hail, God. All right? Now, Deuteronomy 32. This is not in the Psalms, Jonathan, I know that. <laughs> this is a song of Moses. Jonathan told us that this is Moses' last kind of a Deuteronomy, Moses' last time to kind of a, let them know what they need to know. Psalm 30, Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heaven, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew. We had dew this morning. Like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like the showers upon the earth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. You see that? Yours is capital R. Yeah. First time in scripture right here. Okay. For Moses now is claiming God as the rock. Okay. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. O God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and right, up by the sea. They dwell, up, uh, they dwell corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are crooked and twisted generation. This is Moses talking about the people. And we go down and we're going to see uh, rock. So there's supposed to be another rock in here. Maybe. I'm sorry? 13. Verse 13. so Moses sings this song and he identifies Jesus as rock. All right. Now turn to Psalm 62. This is a song, a Psalm of David. Psalm 62. soul waits in silence. <clears throat> Another interpretation of this is, in God alone does my soul find rest. If you're quiet, you're restful. Okay? So, in places of quietness and stillness, there is rest. So, that's another way of saying it. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock. And you'll find rock throughout the, the Psalms, okay, the rock, God is our rock, and he is our fortress, and uh, so, uh, but I want you to see that Moses sees God as the rock, who was 
there with them in the wilderness. And that, that rock identification of God is found in a number of other places through Scripture. So, I started by saying Exodus is a major portion and focus of the Old Testament. And even as the New Testament looks back, at God's salvation. And you'll find parts of that, signs of that, words like we, we said, fire, cloud, bread, food, the Lord heard me want to cry out. All of this is coming from this exodus that we're learning about. So, Jonathan wanted you to see that in the Psalms, this, this stuff of exodus is all throughout as, as we go through. And there are other ones that just have, like, God showed himself in a, in a pillar of uh, fire and a column of, of smoke, of cloud. That's all this thing, maybe one of the Psalms. But it points back to this great act that God does. Yes. So do all of, the whole combination of all those signs have to be present? I'm sorry? Do a combination of all those signs have to be present to say that God was there? Or can you just see one or two? So we're going to see in the Psalms and in other portions of Scripture, just one or two. And here, Psalm 62 says, God is our rock. Okay. Okay. It doesn't say anything about the plagues. It doesn't say anything about coming out of the wilderness. So they pick up on these things that come from the Exodus. Maybe I can say it that way. Okay. So the pillar of cloud and fire at night. You might get that in one of the Psalms, and that's the only thing they mention. They don't mention anything about coming out of Egypt or anything. To God is a, you know, and so that's that's all you might have. I think it's beautiful, and the fact that He uses the most simple things and the most most basic things to people in their life at the time: the lightning, the weather, the things that draw their attention, the rocks surrounded them. All of these things are a part of their life, so they could totally relate to what He was saying. The rocks not going to move very easily. It is solid. It is there. Yeah. So, uh, Scripture is such a wonderful, wonderful book. Because it, it, it just weaves together God's goodness and His forgiveness all the way through. It's just there. Our rebellion, our forgiveness. Hey, thank you. John, we'll be back next Sunday. Uh, one wait and see as we pick up. I don't know if he's going to the planks right away or not. I think that's what he wants to do. So uh, be back here for next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, a living word. We thank you that through the Exodus, you show us your great compassion for us. And through your son, Jesus Christ, you fulfill your promise by giving us that true forgiveness where we will be able to live with you forever, to celebrate before your throne to worship you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.